0: So here's the question. When the rules we've been operating by have burnt us out and the hamster wheel is keeping us awake at night and stuck, how do we, as expert entrepreneurs who want to make significant impact but just can't take on one more thing, grow our businesses and teams, double our revenue while working less? That's the question. This is The Business Habitat. I'm Sam Dean, your host, and this show explores the answers. Stay tuned and enjoy some brave conversations. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Business Habitat. I'm Sam Dean, your host. I am super excited to hear today to have two ladies who do something that I think is uniquely important, particularly in expert business habitats, you know, all around growing your brands with impact. And I think that. This is one area um, that when you're working um, with your business and or and, and your team that is so important, so important to drive the impact that you want to make clearly to your team and more importantly, these guys sit to the market at large and there's a whole lot of science that goes with it and, frankly, I think this is something you should do first up. So I'd love to introduce you to Angela Hi and Christina Castro are here all the way. I'm from the UK today, so it's morning their time, and as you can probably tell, it's evening mine, so I'm stumbling over my words a little bit. Really excited to see these ladies. It's taken us a bit to get um, three of us together, but um, I'm really curious as to where this conversation is going to actually take us because we have a lot of synergies, and both Angela and Christina have come, and particularly I know Christina worked for the CPAs over here in Australia, have come with a background of knowledge in the professional services, experts areas that we all so love. So welcome. Angela, if you could just give us a quick rundown. I know that you started Grow Your Brand with Impact. Um, you know why? What's your bit of the impact that you want to make with it? And just give us a quick story of how you got to be sitting, not so much here today, but I'm doing
1: what you're doing. Yeah, sure, sure. Really, really happy to be here. Um, so story of Grow Your Brand with Impact. uh, Basically, we, um, well, the company Grow Your Brand with Impact started four years ago. Uh, I also had a background in professional services and also also in the management consulting side of things. Yeah, so just going back to the beginning, started Grow Your Brand with Impact four years ago, and basically also had a, quite a long, lengthy background in the corporate space, uh, working in professional services, management consulting. And I worked for one of these um, really big global consulting companies, Accenture, uh, for, for a number of years. So that was the last company that I was at just before I, I left. And I sort of reached a point in my career where for most of my life, if you think about if I think back at how friends of mine would describe me they'd say you know ambitious like achiever you like all of this stuff so it's very much this this profile of like this corporate career girl and just like climbing the corporate career ladder and um really kind of enjoying that process to the point that if you had said to me five years ago that I would be uh, running my own business I would be living the entrepreneur life I would just say that you're crazy I said no I mean you know I'm no, I'm, I'm my career is in corporate and, you know, I had ambitions to, let's say, create something on the side. So I always had like little projects, little passion projects I was doing. I remember in Amsterdam where I used to live for 13 years, um, I started a foundation. Of course, I didn't have enough energy to really put my focus on that. So that sort of whittled away. And I always had these little things, but they were always meant to be like side projects. You know, I was like, come on, I mean... You know, I'm not going to actually have to depend on, you know, being an entrepreneur and, and live off my business. Right? Yeah. Like that just at that time, my mindset was in a completely different place. But I reached a point in my career where I was working these crazy, crazy hours. And I think a lot of us that go into business end up in this place. So I was working like these, you know, 60, often 80, 90 hour weeks. And I was just not really getting to a realization that I was not particularly liking who I was, to be honest, or even just the lifestyle that I was living. And I was asking a lot of questions in terms of what is it exactly that I'm doing with my life? And, and if I'm working so many hours, I'm working these 80, 90 hours, I'm missing birthdays. I'm, you know, just not really present. Like I'm constantly stressing. I'm looking in the mirror and I just look tired. And, you know, my, my lifestyle at the time I was living off like five hours sleep a night and just thinking that's perfectly normal and perfectly fine and drinking about six or seven coffees a day and you know I sort of just started to ask a lot of questions and it got to a point where my career was going really well and you know they had put me into this like a leadership development program which is like stepping stone for it's like this coveted thing it's like oh you know you're in this leadership development program so that means that you're you're on the path to you know become like um managing director and and all of this stuff and I was actually not that excited (laughs) I was not that excited and I was like come on Angela I mean you know my boss is calling me I was in Australia visiting family she said oh congratulations you got in this program and I said I I was just like I got off the phone I wasn't very excited it's like what's going on and when I got back from holidays I actually um but at this point I had never really taken any real vacation so I would take maybe a week here and there like a week maybe two weeks maximum but never actually went on like any long holidays or taken off any length of time just because I I loved working so much and I actually sat down with my boss and I said um, I'm actually thinking about taking a sabbatical I want to take three months off and I just want to go travel through South America And, and I know that this you know I've got this opportunity and I did the program. I did the leadership development program and I went through all of that. And I'm so grateful for all the opportunities. But before I'm able to really go in any direction with this, with, with you guys, with this company, I don't feel like you would be getting the most of me. And I don't feel like I would be doing justice to myself either. So I'm just feeling like I'm sort of half there and going through the motions. I needed to figure out why it is that I'm actually here. So decided to go on sabbatical. Um, you know, they said, like, don't worry. It doesn't harm your career, all of that stuff. In the meantime, I was still feeling pretty restless with everything and just wondering, like, figuring out, you know, what the hell I'm doing here. And I actually took another job. So I was offered another job. And so for me, I was like, okay, Band-Aid solution. I was like, well, I'm clearly feeling like there's something off. So clearly the solution is that I need another job. <laughs> so. I just uh, was like, okay, that makes a lot of sense, and I said, all right, well, maybe my time with um, my my previous company at the time, maybe maybe that's it. Maybe that that's a solution. This is what is going to make me feel aligned with my purpose again. I'm just going to go and take this other job. I went on sabbatical, when traveling through South America, and of course, the universe has this way of just like making things happen when things aren't you know the way that uh, is aligned perhaps to to the path that you're supposed to take. But um, unfortunately. Uh, there were some things that went terribly wrong with that process, which um, which meant that I uh, actually came back from my trip ready to all revved up and ready to start this new job. But also, like there was a part of myself not very excited about this new job either. And um, they had actually messed up the uh, visa application to transfer my sponsorship from one employer to the other, which meant I actually got kicked out of the country. <laughs> <laughs> so I got deported. Now, the,
0: the, what I know about, you know, the universe sorting yourself out is it never, it always gives you what you need, not necessarily what you want.
1: <laughs> Clearly you need it I to I love be. that quote. I love that quote. It's one that I have held close to my heart for so many years, and this was definitely one of those moments, and I think it was that moment where I mean, I was in this place, like I, I told you about my mindset. Like if you had told me five years ago, I would be running my own business, you know, making my making money and all of this stuff through doing what I do today, I'd say, you're crazy and I wouldn't have a, a job, you know. But it's just like, again, I don't think I would have really jumped off that wheel until I was literally pushed off. And that's what happened. You know, I was literally pushed off.
0: Oh, yeah, I've been pushed off two or three times with nosebleeds.
1: That's it. And, you know, obviously that job fell through because it was just like complete, complete, complete mess, like drama. I had to sort, get lawyers in, sort all of of this stuff out, you know, get back um, to the UK, etc. And all of that was was done and behind. But then I was sort of like, okay, so from here, once all of the dust had settled, I'm like, okay, what now? What now? I literally never been in this position. I always had backup. I always had, I I don't leave a job until I have something lined up and all of this stuff. That was just the way my life was always organized up until now. And I was like, okay, well, you know, I've always wanted to start a business. Like that was always something that was on the side, you know. I mean, now is my chance. Like, what have I got to lose? I literally have nothing to lose. And everything just goes upside down. You know what? I mean, I can always get a job again, you know, so I was still very much in that half in, half-out mindset. So that's actually where Grow Your Brands With Impact or actually started. But the path from that point there to where we are today, so that was about four years ago now when that happened, was at the end of 2018. And it also hasn't really been that smooth because in the beginning, to be honest, I started this business, but I didn't have a clue what the hell I was doing. <laughs> I mean, like, okay. Um, no, started, no one ever does. No we one ever does, again. exactly. Exactly, like you, you know, you know what you do, you know what you can do, but up until then, and you probably have some experience with this, Sam. Before you jumped out of corporate and started your own business, is you're you're really good at being able to position yourself for roles and like the jobs and all that stuff. And now suddenly, like there's there's no roles, there's nothing, there's no container, there's no no label, no like no title, let's say to to contain what you do and who you are. It's all open space, and you're like, okay, so. Where do I go from here? I can do a lot of things, and of course, friends of mine um, or people in my network—they're like, "Oh, great, you, you're in your business!" Like, so immediately, I kind of started jumping into like freelance consulting projects. I think that's where a lot of people tend to start when they make that leap—they they just jump into freelance consulting. And I was like, "Oh, well, this is really good. You know, I'm, I'm making money. I've got my business. I'm an entrepreneur. All of this stuff." And. Um, But basically, you know, those first few months, like I was just completely burning out. Like I had no clue what the hell I was doing. I mean, I was doing the work. I was doing the consulting. I was working for um, different clients that I got in pretty quickly through my network. But I realized very quickly that it wasn't actually really like I was running a business. It was more that I just became a one woman like business as in I was doing everything. I was like delivering the work. I was like liaising with the clients. I was doing my finances. I was figuring out where the next client has to come from. I was thinking about, Oh, I need to build a website, like all of these different things. And my dad at that time, he came to visit me in, uh, in, in London. He lives in, he's in Australia. And I didn't have any time to spend with him because I was so busy taking calls on the weekend and like with clients and like stressing about the work and all the deliverables and all of this stuff. And I was just like, hang on a second, hang on a second. Like, isn't this, isn't this what I left (laughs) that life for? Like I wanted to have balance and and all of this stuff. So it's been a bit of a journey.
0: Fantastic. There's so many interesting things. And I just want to um, grab a bit of Christina's story now too, hopefully. Christina, are you there? Sorry, everybody. Um, Christina was having a few um, UK <laughs> internet issues. I'm not going to do the UK joke that was just on the tip of my tongues after what you guys have been going through with your um, political warfare going on there. I'm surprised you still even got internet. But
2: <laughs> it is a bit of times at the time. So, but no, it's true. I, I mean. Ri- we throughout that whole story that Angela was talking about, I was the the sideline. I was the watching her go through all this. I was the friend that was like, "What are you doing? Like, you have the perfect career job. You are absolutely in line to be CEO here. Like, they are grooming you to take over the business. It is the largest high end producing department in that company. It is like it is absolutely ready for success. Like, oh, you know." One of those, she's taken, I've known Angela since we were 15, so a long time. And it was like, I know you do everything so measured that, like, this is a bit of a a crazy jump. And I remember even watching her when her dad came to see her, which was the first time, I think, in 14 years that you'd been living in Europe that he'd come to see you. And, yeah, she just didn't have the same time. So I've been watching all along the sidelines um, doing my career being, working at the big companies and the big brands I've been used to working at. And then um, COVID hit and I said, okay, um, I want to just play. <laughs> Let me play. And um, so I said to Ant, how about I just help you with the team? And how about I just do some support in this? And, you know, I just, honestly, I just thought I'll come in and play for a little bit and never left.
0: Well, I think if you go to play in a business, you won't leave because, you know, why wouldn't you want to play every day? And this is the thing is we've got to, we've got to look at businesses. There were so many interesting things there, I think, and I can see why your business is probably called that because I'm assuming, Angela and, and Christina, you might be a little bit different in this though. But, you know, one of the big things um, that you guys do, I know, is really for, you know, the clients should start is to really find that, that purpose and that that missing link and I find when we work with business owners particularly in the experts when we've done you know if you've been an accountant or a lawyer or whatever for however long it's it's kind of your identity and you you might miss the reason why you're doing it in the first place or what it is that you wanted to change about the world as you went into it and how dissatisfying and unaligned you feel when you're out of sync with that and I think a lot of people don't do it I certainly did a couple of times. I know you did and and Christina kind of did it a bit by default, but we'll give that one to her as well, is I'm feeling out of whack, but how do I actually find out what? Because you don't just wake up and go one day, you know, I want to, you know, for me, it was, you know, originally it sounds much better now, but I went into business early on coming out of the accounting industry in the early 2000s thinking I knew there was everything to know about business and as an accountant and knew nothing in in the tree services business, and then found out how lonely it was. So my big thing in, in what I do is to make sure that people do not compromise their personal goals for their business goals, and they achieve both. But unless you know what that is, or you know what your purpose is, you can never get aligned. And I think that that's the problem you solve with businesses in the first place, and also what their brand. So you want to talk to a, a, you guys want to talk a bit about that why this is so important to stay in alignment with that, or at least find out what you're aligning to.
1: Yeah, so really looking at the purpose. um, I I love the fact that you mentioned the word identity, Sam, because it's actually been a very recent realisation that that is actually such a big part of the work that we do. So I believe that purpose is, of course, purpose. our purpose is a big part of our identity. So it is a part of the identity. It's not everything. It's identity. It's like obviously including all of these different areas of like your values, you know, experiences that have created you um, to be who you are today. And, um you know, it's also the relationships, like very often we mistaken identity and just thinking about that in terms of the roles that we play, which I I, I sort of put in the category of relationships and also purpose, so like all of this stuff is basically folding into identity. And I think, you know, it's again, like this has been a fairly recent realization, just going through a lot of like kind of going back and thinking about the why, like why this is actually so important, why people really struggle with this, that I believe that business going into business is actually why most people go into business. A big part of it is to actually refine their identity. So figure out who it is that they are, like how, you know, how do they stand in the world without this big umbrella of like your job title, you know, the big company that you work with and all of these different things. And it is a really scary place. And that's why business often feels so vulnerable because you're having to to show who you are without all of these different, you know, like shiny things that you used to identify yourself by in the past. And, you know, every time you're putting things out there, like it, it feels really scary. Like we work with clients and they genuinely feel terrified at like just putting something out there. They can talk about stuff. Like, let's say we have one client um, who, you know, she's a, a business operations consultant and she does these like videos on LinkedIn uh, doing like Business book reviews. I'm like, why are you doing business book reviews on your LinkedIn? You you should be talking about your expertise, talking about what you do. But like, people are genuinely terrified, like to to just show show up as who they are. And I very much relate to this because this was also where I was very much, you know, a few years ago. So this identity thing, you know, again, like I think a lot of people they struggle in that in that confidence. their business and having that sense of alignment because they don't really have, when they first step out of corporate, they misunderstand how much of their identity had been tied to their corporate past, their corporate role, their corporate job title, all of this stuff. And once they step out of that, it just, it, it feels Really scary, like you're naked, and you have to kind of refine that identity, while at the same time making sure that you're connecting that to a need to make sure it's actually going to work in the market, and you know get that confidence, get that confidence to to be able to um, to make this work for the long term. So, yeah, I I love the fact that you you mentioned the word identity. I can I can literally talk about this for days. <laughs>
0: I'd like to get Christina's I know because I know that Christina worked um, with the CPAs Australia for 10 years a little while ago and the the, the difference between coming out of corporates you know when when you're coming out of big accounting firms or PwC or whatever you still might be an accountant and now you're an owner or even if you even the identity of moving I had this big jump from I'd already been a business owner I'd started up tree business and I had a consulting business before that. And then when I became a partner in a big firm, you know, there was a little way I had to be an employee for a little while and then change that identity from being employee to a partner. And there's no work on that. There's no shift from being an accountant to being an owner. They're different identities and they're different everythings, particularly when you move within your own firm or your own business from being employed where you have, and I love how you said that, Angela, this security of the corporate. Or the security of someone making decisions for you, um, not so much controlling you per se, but at the end of the day, the buck doesn't stop with you. You know, there's other heads on the box. But when you move to owner, there's a whole new thing, and people within the business look at you differently as well. So that's also an interesting thing when I'm sure you work with professional services people who might have come out of a corporate like Accenture, you know, who has a lot of consultancy stuff, but then want to start a business. But that's kind of what they do, but there's a new identity and a new purpose around that as well. Can you talk to that a little bit and and the challenges that you see happening there?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So you know when you start in accounting, right, you go from primary school to middle school and your mindset changes. Even as a kid, you start saying different words, being cooler, you know, you go through this change. Then you go into accounting. And you're all doing the same accounting degree, no matter where you're in Australia, you're doing the same accounting degree, and realistically, the world. And then they start to subdivide you. And people are going, I want to be a chartered or I want to be a commercial accountant, right, or corporate accountant. And so, therefore, in Australia, you tend to pick one of the big two, right? There are multiple, but I'm just generalizing here. And then your, your mindset starts starting differently. And if, say, you go into, into chartered, you want to go for the big four. And your mindset, again, you do your your your, your apprenticeships or your summer camps or your, anything along those lines, or your internships, and you start to identify as you go through, and I'm talking about from the moment you're a kid, you start putting labels on yourself based on the people, your environment around, you're your, your exposed to. And then you realize, wait, I'm working 50 hours a week and I'm doing all the pleb work and the big bosses are getting all the credits or you reach the very top and you're like, okay, I'm still not getting involved with the clients because all I'm doing now is selling because you've reached the top then. And then you want to shift that, right? But you've been carrying now for 20, 30, 15 years particular labels you've been putting on to yourself that are really hard to shed. Now, we've seen this, we've worked with, with, with accountants, we've worked with charters, we've worked with different people, and I've seen it even with doctors. Those labels are so, so strong as part of your self-identity built. It is really hard to shake. It is really hard to let go of certain terms that you've used, especially in... Your accounting spaces that don't actually mean anything, but all of our big corporates use them, right? So we're using this jargon that makes us feel so secure, so warm, so elite that actually our clients don't understand 90% of the time. They're like, you want to optimize my numbers? Okay. What does optimize actually mean? <laughs> You know what? What are you saying here? You want to make them better, okay? But what What do you mean by making them better? Like what, what's wrong with them? I'm not understanding. them. So, getting rid of those is such a mindset shift that, and we we hold on to them as part of our insecurities of jumping in and going, oh, but I'm now a business and I need this. I need to stand tall and proud, and I don't maybe have these big logo behind me. That they're actually shields for us to. To, to really showcase what we know. And we use these shields to disguise our own um, insecurities at times because those labels of what kept us secure and proud and kept our egos going. I and mean, you need a bit of ego. Don't get me wrong. People go, shed your ego. You need a little bit of it. You do need to keep a bit of you that. You do
0: need ego in this world because you otherwise you're unprotected.
2: <laughs> exactly. So you need a bit of that. The ego doesn't need to be hidden behind big, fancy words, labels, or brands. It can be authentic. It can be why you went into business in the first place. And now talking to accountants, you know, specifically here, you went in because you know how important numbers are for business. If a business owner doesn't know their numbers, they're really struggling to see where their next step is going to come from, making secure steps in business decisions. So you know how important it is. You know that half the time your clients don't understand it. Literally tough to talk to that. Take all of those shields off and that is scary. That is scary. We know that's scary. But that's what your clients are really needing from you and that mindset shift of being able to shed those skins is tough, It's very tough because we feel good
0: this episode is brought to you by the Aligned Leader, a six-week program built to combat the leadership fatigue syndrome, so you can grow your business without the overwhelm. And it is, and I think, I think it doesn't matter what sort of business you're in, particularly in the professional services, which make up you know more than fifty percent of businesses these days. It is you know to get from behind your skill. And, you know, everyone listening to this podcast is going to be very skilled at what their expertise is. That's a given. If you're a professional, you should be good. Now, I'm not going to go into debate this summer and summer. We're going to make the assumption, because we do, that everyone's good at what they do and everyone's fairly clear on what kind of output you can do. But why people come to your business and why people come to you is actually for you and your lived experiences And it is really scary. And I know I have chipped away at this and chipped away at this. I also know I have a more profitable business the more I've chipped away from it. The more I've said, oh, this is what everyone expects me to do, To this is what I really feel is what I need to do, has made a big difference. And no one teaches us, this is, you know, one of the things we do, but no one teaches us how to do that. So if you've got somebody who really wants to, you know, refine their – actually shed their identity, how do you, you know, I would have thought by working through your purpose and stuff would actually make you feel safer. Is that, is that how you start? How do you do that? Angela, do you want to speak to that one?
1: Yeah, sure. Um, I mean, I think purpose is a part of it. Purpose is a part of it. A lot of the clients that we start working with, some of them, they, they're they in various degrees of understanding in terms of where their purpose is some of them they've actually done quite a lot of work already in in finding that purpose but then it's one thing to find your purpose but it's another thing to align that with something that's actually going to make you money so at the beginning of this podcast when we're doing the chit chat you know you mentioned that stat that I wrote down here which is like so so freaking good which is I mean it's, it's not good that this is happening but it is um it just really highlights the importance of why it's so important to get this right, which is that 42% of, you know, all those businesses that, that fail is because they find out that there's no market. And it's such a, um, like it, it's it's such a discouraging, like disheartening.
2: Thing.
0: So everyone, that's the biggest reason why one in two businesses end up failing over five years and one in five at one is 42% don't have a market.
1: Yeah, exactly. I mean, Absolutely, absolutely. So, so purpose is the start, but purpose isn't everything. And I think I I, I recently listened to a podcast by uh, Marcus Buckingham. I'm not sure if you um, know he, he does the the whole strengths finder. Strength thing, and he said something uh, along the lines of, "He said there's no stat that actually says that you can. You, there's no such thing as like making money doing what you love, or like making a living doing what you love. It's it's actually about finding love in what you do." And I, I sort of disagreed with him in that. I'm like, "Okay, there is a way to make money doing what you love, but maybe you just need to go about it in a different way." And this is the um, this is the methodology that Christine and I, um, combining our skill sets, have, have really developed and it help our clients to do. So a lot of the um, the techno, the technique and author me- methodologies that we've curated, brought together just from our shared experiences, both Christine and mine, and also ones that we've developed through the path of actually helping our clients to answer that question, you know, who are they in business? Like, what is actually their expertise? So again, your expertise is not just your, you know, experience as like a chartered accountant versus like a... Um, uh, you know, like another kind of accountant. Uh, I'm obviously not on the accounting side of things, but it's it's not just your specialization and where you have knowledge. That's just one part. That's just one part of your expertise. That's your experience. But your expertise is that, that special thing, that unique thing, um, Sam, that you were mentioning earlier. The reason why people come to you, the reason why you do this uniquely and differently to everybody else in the market and only you do it your way. And it's going to help people in just a very sort of unique way. And that's the part that a lot of people, they struggle to identify. They're usually too close to it. I was too close to it. So Christina coming into the business, she actually helped me identify that for um, for myself. And, and that was actually the beginning of what we co-created into Ignite Your Offer. So again, it's, you know, like it's, it's about you know, going through this process, like there's a whole bunch of techniques and things that we do as part of our program and the and one-on-one work that we do with clients to to draw this out, help them gain that internal clarity on in what it is, but then also make sure that, you know, there's actually a market out there for this, that you're not just trying to sell a pipe dream, like create a fairy tale business that at the end of the day is just going to force you back into having to take a job because you need to pay the bills.
0: And I think that's the 42 start that's um you need to do your research before you do anything and this this i'm not here to everyone out there i'm not talking most of the businesses we work with have a core type of what i would call compliance or you know must-have style so quantity surveyors it'll be around their tax appreciation schedules and stuff like that for accountants tax accountants it will be around their tax advisory stuff but they want to grow some stuff outside of that. That they're all little business units, so it's exactly the same thing. You shouldn't ever throw away your core because it's from there that you can bloom other stuff off and you make your business more agile. The testing on that is, oh, I think everyone will want tax planning. Say, well, why? Why would everyone want? You know, have you asked them? Some people don't care. They they're, they're quite happy with you know tax minimization is not a thing. Some people really want to plan, not because they um, will minimise tax, but so they know what's coming up. So, you know, it's it's things like that. And you've got to test it before you go and spend time, effort and money. And that means going and asking people what they want. And sometimes what they want is not in line with what you think they need and it's also not in line with what you want to do. So I, you know, when I started my business advisory stuff early on, I love doing three by three, very complicated forecasts and stuff. Nobody, even to this day, apart from, you know, sometimes when I would have done valuations and everything would pay for that kind of stuff, because it's just something that made me happy. Like (laughs) getting everything to balance, not one, not two ways, but three. Um, (laughs) So you know, this is the thing, and, and as accountants, you know, I'm, I'm just as good as anyone else on this. You put the sexy software in, it's so much fun. But they're buying software. They're buying the conversation that you're having around it. And then suddenly.
2: The meaning behind those numbers, right? The meaning behind that balancing.
0: Well, the meaning behind it and what they want out of it. They want to check in with somebody every month to learn more about their numbers. You know, this is asking people. It's like, and then you've got to go, well, I can do. I think this goes back to what you said, Angela. You've got you do have to do what you love, but you also have to fall in love with what people want you to do as well. Um, otherwise, become an academic, and then you m- might be able to get paid. But then you do have to teach people, you know, and do all that sort of stuff. So it's such an interesting thing. I think this day and age more, because you had another. You know, yes, we're all stat numbers people. Sorry, here's some more coming your way, um, and I'm going to quote yours back to you. If that's all right, so. You know, at the moment there's been what in LinkedIn there did you say there's been a a two thousand percent escalation in it was freelancers? And then three hundred and forty-one percent.
1: Yeah. So in the freelance side. Um and then
0: three hundred and forty-one percent in
1: Yeah. So self-employed business coaches and consultants.
0: So and that's thirty-one percent. Now if you match that with the stats Um, that have been earlier in Australia, 98% of businesses um, employ less than 20 people. 72% of them employ, sorry, 72% only employ one to four. And of those, I think 60 something don't employ anybody. So mostly, mostly people don't have employees. And that's that stat. And that was before 2021. So we've got all these people coming out, doing things that they're good at, they probably love to do because that's the way they think they can make money, and they've got to sell in this market. But they want more control, they want more freedom, they want more everything. But they're still working in the rules, which are the hours for dollar mindset. And but now you've got to you've got to go out and get the people. You've got to be very clear in why you're different from that person. Um, it doesn't matter if you're a marketer or an accountant or whatever. It doesn't matter, you know. So I would think then. It's very important. And people got to realize this, that most people who have businesses don't run what we would. My thing is, is your business can it run without you. Like until you can build something that if you want to take a sabbatical for three months to a year, you don't have all the operating mechanisms of a a business. Now I have worked with firms, businesses that turn over millions of dollars and can't tick that. Because you, because they have people in there that their income streams are completely reliant on that one person as opposed to systems, processes and other people. Um, and I think we're, we're coming across a crisis um, in expert style of businesses, in big businesses because the staff have clearly left and now they're freelancing, probably back to some of these businesses, by the way.
2: Yeah, but they've seen the value in themselves.
0: Yeah, but they're happier. So your stat there where Angela was twenty-eight percent of these people and are-
1: Only 28% are actually earn more than their past when they were previously employed in corporate.
0: But importantly, they're much happier.
1: Yes. Importantly they're much happier.
0: So until you get until they get and start working with people such as yourselves, where they can actually cause you can build a reasonable business. Um, Without employing a whole set people, you can have other consultants, contractors. You can have collaborative. As long as your purpose and everything's clear, you've got a clear way to market, and you can. You, the models are varied between these days, but you're right. If you, if I had to pick a start point in the business, I think it's this. It's, and I don't care if you've got a business that a business and you've got had an ABN, sorry, Australian business number for. People here so that means that you've got a business a lot of those stats that I said are based on actually registered businesses that you can you can start that shift if you if you don't have this purpose and peace under control and then you you know that people will pay for it you're always going to be stuck in a business that's really just in a different way of employing you so if if we've got people online who who want to start shifting and this is also very important when you're looking at your you've got your business units within any kind of professional services businesses that want to start you know really developing different kind of programs you know outside their core thing this is exactly the same them I, I think the stats would be even worse on them but you don't see them because they're funded with the with the other stuff if you don't have a market that you can sell something that you're passionate with no amount of business coaching strategy and everything's going to. What, you can't outmaneuver a bad idea or something. That's not quite the quote, but yeah.
2: Yeah, 100%. And it's, and it's, it's really interesting, you know, we – I like to think of things in really simple terms. I'm not a complicated person, so I like to simplify things. But let's talk about chicken salt, okay? In Australia, we love chicken salt.
0: I think it's the only place that actually even knows what chicken salt is.
2: In the UK – only place you're going to find chicken salt is from an Aussie shop. You're not going to find it anywhere else, right? You can find Milo. Sometimes you can find Tim Tams. Every so often you'll find something else. But chicken salt you have to order from an Australian company. Now, why doesn't it kick, kick off me of here? They don't use chicken salt. They use vinegar and salt, right? That's what the UK is built on, The vin- vinegar and salt. On everything is vinegar and salt. So yeah. it's it's about finding that market that works for you. It doesn't mean you stop loving chicken salt. It just means you are selling to an Australian market in the chicken salt in the UK. And that's all you have to do. There is enough market. Like people just go, if I narrow down, if I niche, we don't like the word niche, but say that the word niche just to make it easier. I'm not going to make enough money. BS, you will absolutely make enough money if you can see the value in what you're giving to someone. And so it's really important that you find your market, you align, like it has to be something you love because otherwise you're gonna burn out and not wanna do it. And we've seen that happen as well. Align what you love to what you do to the people who love buying from you and want to buy from you. And there is enough of us in the world. Like there really is enough of us in the world. A lot of people go, oh, but I can't because I'll lose money. And they're already in a scarcity mindset because it is tough to be in business. It isn't easy. But if you can get it right and you can make it really clear what you're looking to give that person, then it works. Um, So we've seen this time and time again. People... Um, use those those big like you know, complicated languages and they all the amount of times people say to me, But what I do is really complicated to explain. And we go, I get it. But why do you do it? And who do you do it for? And what do they get out of it? Just explain me that. And that's when we move on from aligning your purpose to doing what you love to actually joining to the people that are gonna to want to buy that from you.
0: So I think that would be a good exercise for everyone to have a crack at because, you know, this is what we work on too. I mean, we're the only ones who understand the complicated tax laws or or whatever it is. My true belief is every business owner should know everything about their business that works. So they should have a, a reasonable knowledge on finance, but how it works, not necessarily how you produce it marketing same thing for me I avoided marketing and sales like a, you know a, a the mechanisms on my previous businesses because you know in tax accounting firms you don't actually need marketing because the ATO does it for you but when I went out my own I, I didn't take that with me and I've learned a lot about the mechanics of marketing do I do my own marketing absolutely not but I understand it so when I'm talking to somebody so what you're, you're saying there is that you've got to really spend some time on that and and doing that. So a good exercise that they might be able to take away is write down what your clients have fed back to you perhaps. What did ask a client, what what did I do? I asked my clients, I asked my clients what I do for them, what we do for them. And do you know what came back? Accountability without judgment. (laughs) There you go. So what that meant, we have coaching programs but we also have a lot of education around aligning teams aligning leaders aligning numbers and all that sort of stuff but in each of them we don't judge we go we've all stuffed this up or whatever and so it's like oh shit well we don't mark that at all
2: but you know but what is behind that the why they why have they said accountability without judgment because taking that a step further down is that they feel judged for not knowing their numbers because they know it's important that they know their numbers. And they know there is a shame in speaking to most accountants to say, oh, I don't actually have enough money to pay my taxes this month when the tax bill comes around because I haven't planned that. I haven't thought about that. Maybe I've turned over a million, a billion, a trillion dollars. But have I put the money aside because I've actually made the money? Or have I gone and spent it on something else in the business, not realizing my tax bills? So it's that shame in ownership because that's what you need to know. You know you need to know. You know you need to hold yourself accountable because your accountants are here to help you, right? That's what we need to come across. It's that next layer deep. So what we talk about a lot of the time is active listening or deep listening as well as the validation of something. It's that that exact question. Why are you buying from me? Why are you still my client? And then going, okay, you're saying this. What do you mean by that? Where, where is this feeling coming from? What does not being judged mean to you as a person? And it's that next level.
0: But it's also actually making them do it too. So the accountability piece is that we've done a whole lot of coaching before. We've done strategies. We've done marketing. We've done uh, coaching. But no one steps us through and says, have you done it? And then the judgment on, you know, that is, and these are really basic things, but actually what people value from us is the fact that it's short and sharp and it's all the time as opposed to these big, what I think are these amazing things. Well, they're not amazing if you don't do something with them.
2: But it's true. It's that that accountability piece. Like if we have gone through the judgment and then the accountability is this small hand-holding, I'm here for you. And I'm just literally checking in and going, hey, have you, have you done that? Have you, have you pulled the cake out of the oven because you realise it's going to burn if you don't turn it off? And just that reminder, oh, yeah, yeah, I've got to do that. I'll do that now. It's that little step. And you know what? Most of you, us will take that accountability piece for granted thinking, oh, but that's my job. Yes, we know it's your job. But it's an important step in helping your clients produce what they're actually getting out of that from you.
0: Yeah, and as business owners, that's another big shift from the employee to the business owner we take away as business owners our accountability piece when we move so we don't have performance reviews anymore we don't have people feeding back you've done a you could do this better or even you did that really well you know which you've got to do both we take that away you know in the accountability piece and I think that what you guys do for the purpose thing, because I need a lot of accountability when we're developing purpose because, and I think a lot of experts might as well, because it's an uncomfortable place to, to sit in this. It's more kind of getting deep into, into what you actually want to do with the world. Well, you know, I, you know, one of my desires is that we make lots of money without burnout. And it's taken me a long time to do that. It means we, we we have to not, not sacrifice ourselves to make money and but the money that we want to make is the money we want to make not what society thinks we should make or or whatever and it takes and I'm thinking you guys are pretty good at it it takes some you know people can uh, can skate around it a little bit I'm sure do you find that Angela that people skate around their purpose a little bit because they're giving you what they think you should as opposed to what they really want to do?
1: Yeah, 100%. I think um, people fall into that very easily in the beginning because they're not clear on that piece. They haven't spent enough time figuring that out for themselves. And they probably have a lot of um, lack of confidence as well, in even if that's something that's worth something in the world. So, I mean, we've had um, clients say to us before in terms of like their experience after having gone through this and then figured it out and then validating in the market. It's like, they, they, they realize reflecting back that it wasn't about it wasn't necessarily about their self-esteem. Like part of the, of course is, it wasn't necessarily about, you know, am I worth it? But it was about whether this thing that I'm giving them, is that worth it? Is that worth for me to charge X? Is that worth for the client to be paying me X in order to get a certain outcome? So, yeah, going back to your question around, you know, skating around the purpose. Yes, 100 percent, because people are scared. People are scared that the thing that they do so naturally, because it is so natural and no brainer to them, like, you know, yourself, like giving that accountability um, without judgment and, and holding people accountable, to making sure things get done. It comes so naturally to you. You're like, well, yeah, of course. I mean, that's a part of it. I mean, why would someone have to pay for that? Because that's just a part of my job, right? So But yeah, again, you know, without having that feedback loop coming back in terms of this is what you're really giving your clients, you're not going to be able to see the full value of it. Yeah, it it is definitely a big one. And one of the analogies, like as I was listening to, um, you know, just the, the back and forth conversation just now, and why we see that people struggle with this, and that's the thing, like you know, these are people that are really deep experts. They're skilled in what they do, and they know their stuff. They're like, okay, I know my area. Of course, I should be able to figure out how to make this work as a business, right? Like, I'm, I'm not stupid. I'm, I'm relatively intelligent. That's what's going through most people's heads. But then, you know, they, they go into this and they struggle. They struggle. Like, why is it that I'm still not making enough money? Why is it that I'm still, you know, like doing this trading my my time for money and it's still stuck in this hamster wheel? Like, how do I actually break through and make this work? And I see the analogy that I see is, is a bit like, let's say, getting healthy or losing weight. Say like, okay, it's not that hard to get healthy and lose weight. You just like eat better and you exercise. That's it eat better and exercise. <laughs> and the same with, you know, just what we're talking about now, like, like talk to your customers, talk to your clients, like find out what is it that they want. It's so, it's so simple. Like just go talk to them. But again, if you're really serious about wanting to get healthy and lose weight, you're going to get a trainer. Like I know Christina has a, has a trainer and um helps keep her accountable in terms of the exercise side of things. And I know that's made a huge difference in terms of, you know, her routines and all of that stuff but she chose to do that because this was something that was important to her you know to she valued like living this healthy lifestyle and and prioritizing these things to make sure she has the energy to put into our business which gets pretty intense and again like without having that structure without having that accountability that thing that's going to keep you on track it's really easy to get lost with the shiny things it's really easy to get lost with uh, a a beat to your self-confidence like somebody a client says no or a client A prospect ghosts you all of a sudden you're in the middle of a conversation, they suddenly disappear and they stop answering your messages. Or you know, you were meant to, you were, you were in the middle of like a um you you have a really great sales conversation, or at least you think, and then suddenly, you know, they're like dragging their feet in terms of the follow-up and like actually taking action, making decision, all of that stuff. Like it is really hard. And all of these things end up as distractions that push you off the path. So without putting that right focus on it, like yes, it is really simple, you know figure out what you want to sell, figure out what you love, like ask your clients, what is it it that they get from you? It is that simple, but it isn't at the same time.
0: (laughs) Simple things are the hardest to do. That's it. They really are because if if they were easy, um, everyone would be doing them. And it's true. I mean, I love that. I I always use the health analogy as well because I've got healthy over time and it's those small steps. And I don't do anything without some kind of of external accountability. Internally. I find it very difficult to keep myself accountable. I can't even keep myself accountable to my thoughts, let alone um, you know getting up in the morning and, and doing whatever. But if I make an appointment with somebody or I you know schedule it or I do whatever, so I suppose that is probably then why I know that accountability is so important because it's, I wouldn't be sitting here without it and it, it just it, it just makes me laugh that accountability you know is the act of you know keeping people accountable, and that's actually what an accountant means. What's one of the definitions? of an accountant, the person who keeps accountable. That's where debits and credits came from, accountable to your thing. So it's amazing that it's one of the industries. I think every industry, it doesn't matter who you are, but it's amazing that the one, the one that has its name, has very little bit, little accountability around it. And I'm sorry, you have to have self-accountability, but and I think your purpose keeps you accountable as well. I think if you're very clear on your purpose and how to make money out of it, when those things do whack you out of alignment, you're always going back to it. You might need somebody to sit down with you and say, hey, run through that conversation with me. It wasn't that bad. Or yes, it was that bad. Let's make it better. But if your purpose is always, if you're always aligning to a purpose, when you do go off whack, and you will, and you do with, you know, I go off whack with my health goals all the time, that... It's just, nope, I'm back. I'm doing this because I want to be a fit writer. Right, I'm doing this because I want to be that. Yes, I ate too much Ben and Jerry's last night, but it's okay. So I'm back.
2: It's Julius true. Yeah, that's yeah, true. I can't, I can't stress it enough. And this is where, you know, we started off when I joined Angela. We were really quite a large team. You know, that's the reason I came in. I was trying to help her with managing the staff, expectations, um, supporting them with, you know, mentorship goals, long-term goals, alignment with the business. We started off as a large team, and I say we started off. By the time I joined, Angela already had a large team and a large set of clientele. And we, we stripped that all back because I kept on going back to her. Do you realize how much this alignment, this setting the purpose, setting these initial milestones is important to clients. And Angie kept on saying to me, oh, I have to. I can't do campaigns without it. I can't know their their story behind why their brand is a particular way or why they look and feel or what, what messaging they use. And I went, well, let's just stick to that. You know, let's just get that right because you're constantly coming in these people are saying to you, my marketing is failing, I can't sell, I can't get my message across, I can't get, uh, I can't. I want to increase my conversion rate in relation to my proposals. Like that's what their problem is, right? This is what they're seeing as their problem. And what we've started it's to work out, no, it's worked down, like it's right at the beginning. And I said, let's get that right for people. And then someone else can do their marketing. Someone else can do their branding website or their colours or whatever it might be. But let's get that so right, so aligned to that individual person that it just explodes out of them with this energy that whenever they do then meet 10 years from now, 15 years now, three months from now, a designer to help with their website, someone to help with their marketing, it just explodes out of you. Now, I know most accountants hate to sell. And that's a lot of the thing I focused on. You know, it's like, and I used to say to people, talk to me about your favorite restaurant. Talk to me about your dogs. Talk to me about anything else that's potentially not in the accounting world or the business world that you love. And you see that energy people bring to that conversation. You see that energy that they explode with about the, the latest spaghetti bolognese that they ate that was just like nonnas from, you know, Italy when they went there or whatever it might be or or whatever it is that they're talking about. I go, now that's what you need in your business. And the moment you can talk about your business with that same passion, you know how many people you're going to attract? There's not going to be a single client that doesn't go, man, I need to work with that person. No matter what it is that you do. And it's that what we're trying to bring back when we're aligning with purpose. It's aligning what you love so it just explodes out of you. It just beams out of you. And once you hit that and you get that, do you know how many people just go, that alone was worth my investment in you guys? Take away the fact that you might have been making money and getting clients in the door because that's now coming through. But the fact that I'm so passionate now about what I do and I love it and it's aligned for me and I know I'm never going to retire because I just freaking love this. That is what makes it worth it.
0: So I can hear all the accounts going because I agree. I think if you love tax, and I think a lot of people should love tax, like there's lots of people out there, you get excited about it. You just need to find a way to um, communicate it because you just, you should never sell anything that you don't think is going to change someone's lives. You should never. That's why people find selling so hard. Um, And if you can link it back, so tax, you know, when we work with people, we find out what's, What's the problem you're solving for the clients well i'm keeping them out of jail we'll get excited about that like if you go to someone and say hey you know do you wake up at night and think you might go to jail because you tax we solve that and you get excited about it that's selling because you know that's actually what you're doing do you feel uncomfortable you know what what do i do i i, I get people to feel comfortable about tax i'm super excited about that because I, I don't think anyone else can or, or whatever 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 that is and i think what you guys are saying and what's interesting about it because that's what we do do with people as well we always start with an investigate where do you want to go what do you want to do and then we put everything else together around that or we bring in other people or whatever because if you don't in a different way but it's the same principle and then now I know if someone really doesn't understand what their purpose is or why they're even doing that or waiting, we would actually buy from them we can immediately now go well we've got someone who can set the gap so they then go in and then we start you know this sort of stuff and that's what's important because everybody sells 42 percent of our day is spent selling if you're trying to get a child out of bed you are selling you're using a couple of different techniques you're using persuasion
2: Mm. it's really
0: exciting outside it's a beautiful day let's come outside then you're using my parent you know and then you go down all the way down to the poorest form of parenting which I, i engage. Get out of bed or else, what does LLS mean? Your phone goes away. (laughs) Might not work with your age, but. um,
1: (laughs) I thought you were going to say bribery.
0: (laughs) You know, you're always selling and that's the hard sell. That's the kind of the sell you don't want to do, you know, in your business. The ATO uses that as the sales thing. If you don't do this, you go to jail. But we don't want to use that.
2: But, like, if if you're talking about tax, it's like, don't you want to be excited about, and, and I know this sounds crazy, but we're at the point in our business now that our tax bank account is so nicely plump that I'm dying to pay taxes to know what's left over so we can spend on something else. There you
0: go. Absolutely. And you should get excited about paying tax because that means you're making money. <laughs> Everyone says, I don't want to pay tax. Particularly here, I know in Australia and the UK, get excited. Like I'm excited about our tax system because you know I've just had major health issues with my parents, and our system, which is paid for, but unfortunately by our taxes. And you should be minimizing your tax. You should, but you know you should know that. And every everything that you do, every expertise in some way or another does change people's lives. And you don't have to sell when that's the case. You just got to find out in their terms and then what your purpose is in life. Yeah, absolutely. So if you had to give just, each of you just one tip to people that they could start thinking about, you know, am I true on purpose or, or, you know, what would you say, where could they start?
2: I would say it's reflection of asking your clients to describe you and why they work with you. If you can get that and really listen to it and dig in, and they're always going to start with a very superficial answer, right? We know that. People hate giving you praise. So sometimes when you get a third person, get a third party to ask that for you, you know, um, but being able to say, I just love working with Sam because she brightens up my day. She makes me feel in control. I know I can turn to her. I know I'm not going to get a judgment because I don't know the answer to something. And she just checks on me on a regular basis. Hearing that is just amazing and and we often we ask for feedback we ask for things but we never ask for someone to sell for you in a sense that how would you sell sam to someone else and how would you say you need to work with me or you need to work with sam
0: oh that's a great question so everyone write that down so instead of saying you know why do you work with me how would you sell me to somebody else Marketing done. Um, Angela, what's your
1: tip? That's great. I'm going to ask that question next. So, my tip is to really treat the work that you do every day um, basically as research. So, market research isn't about like purpose. Like, yes, a part of it is going out and having more conversations. But the work that you do every single day and the conversations that you're already having with your clients every single day is already basically continuous, sort of like rolling research. Um, so, you know, nowadays we're all doing online businesses. A lot of our sessions, they tend to be recorded also for client purposes, you know, that they can go back and re-listen to, um, certain bits of advice. So if there is a conversation that you've recently had with a client, with a prospect, you know, whatever, just go back and re-listen to that conversation. Re-listen with sort of like, you know, a different set of ears. So it's, it's again, this, this third party Um, like almost as if you are a third party and try to see if you can hear for um, the shift that's happening under the surface, the shift that is actually happening on your, on the other person's side. It's very often in those conversations, we're so focused on problem solving that we're just like listening for the problem. And we're basically, you know, like going into solution, uh, solution mode. So having that step back, listening from that perspective of What is actually the real problem? So what is actually the real problem that the person is experiencing that is underneath, you know, all of the words? And it could be the the feeling of, you know, Christina mentioned shame, like um, feeling ashamed of the fact that I don't understand my numbers and now feeling that safety that somebody is now guiding me through this process and holding me accountable to do this without judgment. Like just like listen for that shift in terms of what is the real, um, real problem that's underlying the problem and see if you can spot something there
0: oh my god that's amazing i'm going to use that um because we record everything and can i just
1: tell everybody you do
0: get used to it you do get i think particularly in this more digital day and age everyone's going oh my god i can't even stand listening to myself yourself if you can objectively sit back and have a look and listen it helps you as an advisor for sure but it really gets those nuances so you can start spotting. It is the most effective, efficient way. Do it by yourself. It doesn't matter if you feel uncomfortable and you're squirming then because, you know, and the more you do it, the more valuable it is in this day and age, you know, because you should be recording. If you're giving advice to somebody or whatever, you should be recording it for their private viewing anyhow um, so they can go back and use it. And, of course, you're not sharing this with anybody else. You know, we're all professionals. But and... Or if you're doing a webinar and, and you can think, you know, I, I sat on a webinar the other day and I knew it was a reasonably small crowd and I couldn't understand why they didn't open it up. So you could see videoing of, of you know, what other people were doing because you want to actually watch how people reacting to you. can't do that when you're presenting, but when you go back, you can see it um, as well. And I think it's really important because most of what everyone listening to here and you guys do is, Very much that. So uh, two amazing tips. Let me just re-step them out. You know, step back and really listen for the problem that you're solving. So do your research while you're going, because we're all we're all trying to create more time. We're not sorry. You can never create time, but we we need to double time on some of some of these things. So you're doing the work anyhow. Do the research while you're there and really look for it and look for those hooks. And then Christina's was definitely go and ask your clients how they would sell you. Both of them are gold. Um, and you can save so much time, effort and money, I think, doing that. And then, yes, you do have to tuck your breath in, put your big girl's pants on just a little bit um, and 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 do that. But I tell you what, once you've done it a few times, you won't worry about it at all. You'll just keep it going and it, it, it just gets you to where you want to do. Everybody who's listening to this podcast, we need your expertise out there. We need you finding your purposes. So I would strongly recommend that you have a look at um, these ladies. We're going to have all of their details down below in the notes and uh, some links to their LinkedIn and various other places and I highly suggest if you do, run them on LinkedIn, you know, pop into some of their more Australian friendly ones. Sometimes they're not that friendly but I do hear a rumour that they're both coming to Australia in the next few months so you might be seeing some more southern hemisphere but certainly if you're in the northern hemisphere like I know that a lot of you guys are, you know, hop in and have a look, so valuable just um, to spend an hour or so on, on some of the stuff that they do. So thank you very much for joining us.
2: Thanks, guys. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for having us.
0: And everyone else, as always, stay brave and continue the conversation. Thank you so much for your time. We work super hard on this podcast and are passionate about helping expert entrepreneurs build businesses without overwhelm. To help us, can you please leave a review if you loved it on Apple
2: Podcasts or your favourite podcast platform?